0: Well, I just want to say, I was worried that I might get through my sermon in 10 minutes, but I'm looking at the clock, and maybe it's better if I do. Just messing. I want to start by giving a ton of honor to people in the room. First thing I want to say is this. I love Luke and Jory. Everybody else has got to say stuff about him. but this is my first job in ministry. I've been here for two years, and I think this has been the safest place to work I feel like it's like a bowling alley, a bowling lane when you have bumpers up and you can just bounce around and make mistakes and it's a safe place. You're not going to go into the gutter. And um, I've bumped around a lot. I've bumped into a lot. I've bumped into you guys a lot while I'm learning what I'm learning. But I want to say to Luke specifically, every time I bumped into you, it sharpened me as a person and as a leader and appreciate who you are in your heart. I'm excited for you guys and to Jory. I don't know where, where she is. She's probably in Go Kids. They have a lot of kids tonight, but I love her. I went to college with Jory. One time Caleb bros pranked their apartment, Jory's apartment, and some of my friends, Morgan and Bree. And I was an RA, I got the master key, let them in their apartment and we toilet papered that thing. I could have lost my scholarship and everything, but (laughs) gotta do what you gotta do. Listen, my name is Ben, I'm from North Carolina. So when I sing on stage, a lot of people don't know that I'm Southern because I can talk not Southern for like 30 seconds and then it's gone. So this is going to be real Southern tonight, and that's fine. Um, here's what I love. Yeah, Brittany's pumped. Um, here's what I love what pastors do when they get up and they show a picture of their wife and their children, and they have the most beautiful family. I just want you to know that I don't have a wife or children, but I still have a picture. Will you put that picture up? Hey, this is me. I look like my dad owned a golf course. Am I right or what? That's my brother Caleb in the middle. He was playing bass. That's my dad, Randy Cruz, the legend of all time. And in the middle is my granny, she's not sitting down. She's standing up. That's how tall she is. And I was only like six foot then, I was still in high school, I've grown a little bit. So she, there would be even more of a discrepancy between me and her. Um, I wanna put that up there because I'm gonna talk about doors tonight. My message title is All Them Doors. I was trying to figure out what's a clever way to, to put doors in there. All Them Doors, that's what it's called. Um, I want to talk about my granny because this morning they were talking about what doors, certain doors, how they make you feel. I was listening to Ben Hoare and Kirk talk about it. And one of my favorite doors in my entire life was my granny's door, her front door. It was white. It had three like 1970s glass windows, tiny ones, you know what I'm talking about? That descend down the door. You can see it. It was brown on the inside, white on the outside. My granny passed away my freshman year, after my freshman year of college. I was talking to my older brother about this, but there's something about that door. There was something about her house where you came in and it felt like home. And um, my granny's name is Rhoda. That's a crazy name, Rhoda Cruz. I don't know why they named her that. But when I was thinking about doors, there's, Rhoda is in the Bible. And I was like, I'm gonna look up where it is in the Bible. And it's Acts 12. So you wanna, if you wanna turn there, you can, Acts 12. And lo and behold, it's the perfect passage for what I want to talk about tonight. I love my granny, Rhoda the girl. She's going to show up in this passage tonight. But she was the most precious. Her door, whenever you walked in, you knew it was going to be the best time of your life. She could throw down in the kitchen. She loved the Lord. You know how when you, go to, when you see uh, like advertisements of Subway, the sandwich is like so full that it can't close. But then you go to Subway and the sandwich closes just fine. You know what I'm talking about? She would go to Subway, and it would look just like the advertisement. She would stuff that thing full. She'd get her money's worth. Rhoda Cruz. What a gal. So while you're turning to Ags 12, I want to give a little bit more honor. Kirk Graham, my campus pastor, I loved watching him lead worship tonight. When I, first, I know. When I first came to River Valley, he was my worship leader at Egan. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't know anything about River Valley, but I watched you lead worship, and I was like, I'm going to just... Stick around this guy and just learn a little bit. And Kaylee was singing tonight and I love her. She's my buddy. And um, I'm not gonna cry, but I was watching my brother play bass tonight. He plays bass for me, but I can't see him because he's behind me. But all the things that God has done in your life, I'm gonna cry. I think, shoot. (laughs) And you're just playing bass at church. It makes me wanna cry. It just makes me emotional that God is so good. I'm crying and I hate crying in front of people. It's the worst thing ever. So this is going to be a fun night. This is just going to be a big conversation, me and you. Let's roll. Acts 12, we're going to read. You ready? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I got some reading to do. (laughs) Listen, I haven't missed that in two years, and I didn't lead worship tonight, so I had to do it. Here we go. Acts 12, verse 1. Okay, here we go. That's when King Herod got into his head to go after some of the church members. He murdered James, John's brother. When he saw how much it raised his popularity ratings with the Jews, he arrested Peter, all this during Passover week, mind you, and had him thrown in jail, putting four squads of four soldiers, each to guard him. He was planning a public lynching after Passover. All the time that Peter was, all the time that Peter was under heavy guard in the jailhouse, the church prayed for him most strenuously. Then the time came for Herod to bring him out for the kill. That night, even though shackled to two soldiers, one on either side, Peter slept like a baby. I don't know how. And there were guards at the door keeping their eyes on the place. Herod was taking no chances. Suddenly there was an angel at his side and light flooding the room. The angel shook Peter and got him up. Hurry. The handcuffs fell off his wrists. The angel said, get dressed, put on your shoes. Peter did it. Then he said, Grab your coat and let's get out of here. Peter followed him, but didn't believe it was really an angel. He thought he was dreaming. Past the first guard and then the second, they came to the iron gate that led into the city and swung open before them on its own. And they were out on the street, free as the breeze. At the first intersection, the angel left him, going his own way. That's when Peter realized it was no dream. I can't believe it, this really happened. The master sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's vicious little production and the spectacle the Jewish mob was looking forward to. Still shaking his head, amazed, he went to Mary's house, the Mary who was John Mark's mother. The house was packed with praying friends. When he knocked on the door to the courtyard, a young woman named Rhoda, there she is, hey, came to see who it was. But when she recognized his voice, Peter's voice, She was so excited and eager to tell everyone Peter was there that she forgot to open the door. Lock it in, girl, and left him standing in the street. But they wouldn't believe her, dismissing her, dismissing her report. You're crazy, they said. She stuck by her story, insisting. They still wouldn't believe her and said, it must be his angel. All this time, poor Peter, standing out in the street, knocking away. Finally, they opened up and saw him and went wild. Peter put his hands up and calmed them down. He described how the master had gotten him out of jail, then said, tell James and the brothers what's happened. He left them and went off to another place. Somebody say, all them doors. Okay, now for the sake of my sermon, gates and doors, we're gonna say they the same thing. Okay? And I had to take some biblical language classes in college to get my degree. And in Greek, New Testament is in Greek. Sometimes the same word, the same Greek word is used for gate and door. If you thought that me making you think it was gate and door was fishy, I'll use facts. (laughs) We're gonna look at three types of doors we can see in this passage, three types of doors, all them doors. First, the wrong door. The first door that we see, it doesn't really talk about it, but it's in the very beginning of the chapter. In verse nine, the door, the gate opens itself. But for that gate to open itself, that gate had to be closed. That door had to be closed. So at the beginning of this verse, Peter finds himself walking through a door or a gate that could very well feel like the wrong door. If you're thinking about Acts, you got the day of Pentecost, you got the church, the early parts of the church, building the church. You got Peter who arguably, and not you can't really argue it, is the most influential voice of the early church to date. He has the largest platform of any person in the church at this point. Peter does. Now he finds himself behind a closed door. Sometimes we find ourselves, and I believe that there's people in the room right now who find ourselves walking through or or being behind a door that feels wrong, maybe even unfair, and you didn't make a wrong decision. Peter was spending his life going from door to door from place to place opportunity to opportunity building the kingdom of god and he finds himself in a door that feels wrong what's happening verse 12 says this that's when the uh, verse 12 uh, chapter 12 verse 1 that's when king herod got into his head to go after the church members he murdered james john's brother when he saw how much it raised popularity he arrested peter that's where that first wrong door happens here's what i want to say it should be no surprise for the believer. If you find yourself in an uncomfortable position, what I love about, listen, what I love about this passage of scripture is I don't really have to preach at all. I can just read you parts for 20 minutes and it preaches itself. Here's the thing. There was a very real enemy of the kingdom of God at the beginning of this scripture. It was the king. It was a very real enemy. And what he was doing was he was trying to destroy everything the kingdom of God had built, everything that God and Peter and the disciples had built. That's what, that was his goal, destroy it. And in the same way, the same principle applies, man. The enemy of our souls wants to destroy what God is building in us and through us. That's what he wants to do. And we're gonna find ourselves following God, doing what we're supposed to do, not making a bunch of wrong decisions, in, in walking through or behind a wrong door. What's happening? That's where Peter is. Here's what I wanna say. If you feel like you've walked through or you're currently behind, The wrong door, like Peter, these are the things that you got to do. Here it is. Number one, I got three points, (laughs) three points in a point or two points in a point. So the first point is the wrong doors, but here's some more points for you. Um, If you feel like you've walked through the wrong door behind the wrong door, you have to trust God to the point that it stirs up your faith. You have to trust God to the point that it stirs up and energizes your faith. And that's a choice. It's a choice in the hard moments, in the wrong moments, in the misunderstood moments to trust God. That's a choice that we do. Right here, verse seven and seven through nine says, suddenly there was an angel at his side and light flooding the room. The angel shook Peter and got him up. Hurry, the handcuffs fell off his wrist. The angel said, get dressed, put on your shoes. Peter did it, grab your coat, let's get out of here. Peter followed him, but didn't believe it was really an angel. He thought he was dreaming. Here's what I love about that part of this passage. Peter was unsure if it was a real thing. He wasn't even sure. Scripture says, Peter followed him, but didn't believe it was really an angel. He thought he was dreaming. What kind of faith did that guy have? What kind of trust in God did he have to say, I'm not sure, but I'm gonna step out in faith and follow this angel. That could be a dream. Honestly, would I do that? Probably not. So I gotta work on it. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully I'm not in prison either, but we'll see what happens. (laughs) Here's this. The second thing I wanna pull out from that, that section of the scripture is Peter was, the angel woke Peter up in the middle of his sleep. Have you ever been, how do you say it? Awakened in the middle of your sleep? It is so confusing. Ben Hor, me and Ben Hor used to be roommates. We slept on twin bunk beds. We are huge, not twin XL, twin from Ikea, it was tiny. And this guy knows when I wake up, even if it's after a long time of sleep, not a good time to chat with me, not at all. So honestly, if I was woken up in the middle of the night, chained to two guards or whatever, two, they were everywhere, and this person that I wasn't sure about asked me to follow them, I'd be like, no. And I'd also be super confused. So what kind of faith does Peter have to be able to figure out his orientation and do it? That's good faith, that's trust that stirs up his faith. Trust in God that stirs up his faith. Here you go, here's here's the other thing that I wanna say. When you see an automatic door, when you see a door, you have to walk up to it for it to open. It requires faith for you to walk up to the door. So he he had to move for that gate to open itself, for that door to open itself. If he just sat there, it didn't say the gate opened, then he put on his shoes and grabbed his cloak. No, 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 he did all that first, then he walked, then the door opened. So you have to step out in faith. Here's what I love right here, trust in God. Here's a great promise in scripture, Romans eight twenty-eight, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. So at the beginning of the chapter, it says that Herod had made up his mind to basically crush the kingdom of God. Cause it, I mean, he was popular for it. He was popular for it. Then at the end of the chapter, it says this, finally, they opened up and saw him and went wild. Peter put his hands up and calmed them down. He described how the master had gotten out of jail and then said, tell James and the brothers what happened. God was working on Peter's behalf and even went a step further to encourage the church who scripture said had been praying for him in a time that was probably heavy persecution. He's killing people and arresting people that are building the church. So what God did was he took this door that feels wrong, unfair, and he turned it into something way more. He did a miracle and got Peter out. And then he used Peter to encourage the church who had been praying for a miracle. That's what God does when you feel like you're behind the wrong door, when you feel like you're walking through the wrong door. So stir up your faith through trust in God. Second thing you gotta do, and this is my jam right here, don't stop praying and don't stop praising God. So I'm a worship leader. You know, I love to worship. Literally the worst time to stop praying and praising God is in a hard time, but that's what we do. I know, I know I do it too, but I can look around the room and I can see that somebody's having a bad day and they're just crossed arms in the back. And I know that that's not how they usually worship. So why is that our tendency always to just, as soon as it gets tough, we're out. No, can't be doing that. Lock it in. Don't stop praying and don't stop praising God. When you've walked through what seems to be like the wrong door, don't stop praying and don't stop praising God. Here's what I love about this. I have to bring this up. Later in Acts 16, you see Paul and Silas in a similar situation. Here's what it says in Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisons were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. So don't stop praying and praising God when you feel like you're behind the wrong door. Even if it feels unfair, even if you didn't make wrong decisions to get there, God is working for your good. He has a greater plan and a greater purpose for that moment. And I wanna just do this because I know all the brinkers are on the front row, but there's this Fred Hammond song, and Carl will know it, where he's, Late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around. That's what I think every time. And they just sing that for about 15 minutes. Late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around. But it's true. You should YouTube it, listen to it when you feel like you're behind the wrong door. Late in the midnight hour, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and God turned it around. God is more than able to make a way and has a plan for every moment. Nothing in the kingdom of God is wasted. Not one single thing. Nothing in the kingdom of God is wasted. Here's the other type of door. So this is the second door, the automatic doors. Let's be real, there's no better feeling in life than when you walk up to a door and it just opens for you. Oh, I love it, it's the best. I, have, I live in this apartment building where it, it's a key code to get in the front door and then it's a key to get in your apartment. So it's like, four, it's like two different things to get in. Just streamline this process. Better yet, just make them automatic doors. Face recognition, I'll walk in. Isn't this 2017? I don't understand. There's no better feeling than that. Here's an automatic door that when you walk up to it, it opens for every person. That is salvation. The kingdom of God is a guaranteed open door to anyone and everyone. Acts 10.34 says this, God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do what he says, the door is open. So just walk right up to the door. It's gonna open for you. I love that. Here's what I love specifically about how scripture drew attention to the automatic door. As a follower of Jesus, this is, was really challenging to me, this next part. As a follower of Jesus, I believe myself, and I know we all do this. I know we all do it we get so caught up in the question of which door do I walk through? How do I get out of this door? Why am I in this door? What do I do? What opportunities do I seize? Where am I going next? What are you doing, Lord? We get caught up in that. Here's what I love. This promise, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Peter was arrested for building the church. He was legitimately spending his life seeking God and doing God's will. But when the angel came, he was sleeping, not obsessing over his way out, why he was brought through the door and why he was uncomfortable. He wasn't obsessing. Oh boy, he was asleep. And I love the message translation. It said, he was sleeping like a baby. What kind of faith does that guy have? Here's what I know. Every Every time I come to a crossroads in life, and I'm not I believe that there's times in life where God tells you a specific thing to do and you walk through that door. I'm I'm the person who, when there's decisions to be made, I don't like to make them. I don't like to make the wrong decision. And I'll get legitimate, can't sleep anxiety about decisions that I have to make. I will. And I love that it says, he was sleeping like a baby. That speaks to me specifically, that there's rest in trusting God. There's rest there, okay? Okay seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. So really as so many times in my life when I graduated college I was looking for a job. I had some job offers from churches that was what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure and I really wanted to have a heart for the the place I worked, the city I worked, the church I worked. I didn't want to just take a job for the paycheck but my parents had just helped me pay for private school and I was 22 and it was time, you know, and there was all this anxiety about what do I do, Lord? There's a lot of choices. And I got to this point where every time I spent time with God, I obsessed over praying and asking God what I was supposed to do. I was obsessed with it. It was horrible and it completely ruled my thoughts. And I remember one time, one day, I was living in an apartment at North Central. I'd graduated. I was watching like 10 Friends episodes a day, trying to get a job at a hotel downtown, just trying not to be depressed. They were just getting me through. And I remember the Lord telling me, why don't you just spend time with me to seek me, not have an answered question, not for me to tell you where to go, but just to seek me. And then three months later, I decided I'm gonna work at River Valley. Then it worked out and I've been here for two years. And here's what I want you to know, looking back, I don't remember even going, this is what God wants me to do. I just got there and I was just seeking God and all these things were added. And that sounds really fluffy and really, you know, cheesy. But if you knew my personality, you would know it was literally the Lord because I'm so logical, it's ridiculous. I need to know everything, every time. Do not be anxious about anything, Philippians 4, but in every, every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Just speak that over yourself in those moments. Here's the other thing I wanna talk about really quick, miraculous automatic doors. Verse five says, the church prayed for him most strenuously. And while Peter was sleeping, he was set free from captivity to the point of almost disbelief. That's a miracle. He couldn't even believe it at first. That's how miraculous it was. And it says that the church prayed for him. Then later it says the house was full of praying friends. Don't underestimate the power of prayer, the, pra- the power of community. At the end of service, when somebody says there's prayer teams up front, come get prayer in a moment in, in a moment God can make a miracle in your life. In that door that seems unfair, he can reveal its purpose, he can bring you out of it, all that stuff. It's a miraculous automatic door. You come up for prayer, you, you ask God for what, for what you need him to do, and the door opens. That's a real biblical thing. Automatic miraculous doors. The third door I wanna talk about is the doors where you have to keep on knocking. So at the end of the passage, it says this. All this time, poor Peter was standing out in the street, Knocking away, just knocking away, which I think is pretty comical because he's been delivered miraculously. And then the next thing he does is hit a door that won't open. A girl comes, she, sees, she hears him, gets so pumped that she forgets to open the door. Then nobody believes her when she tells them that Peter's there. So it says, poor Peter just knocks away on the street. There are doors in your life and God led him. You know, God led him out and he went to that door. That was a part of the plan. There's doors that you have to keep on knocking on. You have to do it. Here's what, what would happen had Peter given up before they came to the door? See, I think this, a lot of the time when you're knocking on a door and you're knocking on a door, you think it's about you and sometimes it is, but you have no idea who's on the other side. This guy knocked and knocked until he got through. And then the church who had been praying for him the whole passage long, was totally encouraged by the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. That's what they were, that's what they were astounded by, that, that God could do a miracle and they prayed for it and they asked for it in this time that felt so discouraging. I'm sure people are getting killed, people are getting arrested. What's going on? What if he'd given up? What if they had never seen him? Would they believe the story as much if they hadn't seen him right after and had a first hand account of what happened? I don't know. When I was like 16, I went to my friend Eli Maness's house. He was my best friend growing up. I always had to ask my parents if I could go to my friend's house because they didn't like me to be gone. They just, I I was their favorite, I think. They just didn't like me to be gone. And, um, And I would always clean the kitchen or something before I asked my mom. I would clean up something in the house to butter her up so I could go. But I mean, the boy was not wild at all. He was very by the book. He's a politician's son, so he just is a, almost a robot. He just did the right thing all the time. No, it's not bad. He's great. He's smart. He went to school to be a brain surgeon. He's genius. He's my best bud, one of my best buds. But I knocked on his door. I was going to his house. I got permission, knocked on his door. He didn't answer. And I knocked for a little bit more. And then I kind of got annoyed, so I left. And... When I left, I called my dad and was like, hey, Eli wasn't home. And my dad said, great, go to my office and mow the grass at his business. And I was like, crap, now I have to mow the grass. And like one minute later, after I called my dad, Eli called me, he was just in the bathroom and he couldn't hear the door. If I would have knocked on the door, I would not have had to mow grass. (laughs) I missed out on the blessing. If I'd have just kept knocking, but I did not. I was too impatient. That's a silly story, but I believe there are moments where you have to keep knocking. What's on the other side of the door is what God has for you. Not mowing grass at your dad's office. It's hanging out with your buddy on the other side of the door. Keep knocking on the door. Matthew 7, 7 says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be open. So here's what we do. When you're in the wrong door, when you feel like you're in the wrong door, you trust God to the point that it stirs up your faith. Get in your word, read the promises of God over and over that he's working things for your good, that his promises are yes and amen. Every promise that God has for you, read them over and over and over again. Stir up your faith so that when, so that when God brings you out of the wrong door, you move in faith. Second thing, don't stop praying it and praising God in the middle of that door that feels wrong. Don't stop, keep going. There's a miracle coming. Automatic doors, salvation is for everybody. There might be somebody in this room tonight that you needed to hear that. Salvation is for you. Walk right up to the door and it opens up. No matter how you found yourself in this place today, what your life's been like, what decisions you've made, if you walk up to that door, it opens up for you. That's the promise. And don't, don't worry, trust God. Rest in the middle of not knowing where to go and what to do and what's next. Sleep like a baby like Peter, trust God. Don't, don't discredit a miracle in your life either. And the last thing is, if there's that door that you need to keep knocking on, don't lose faith. There could be somebody on the other side of that door that needs to hear that needs to hear something from you, that needs to see something from you. Maybe it's just for you. You never know. You never know what's on the other side of that door. Don't miss it. As we close, will you bow your heads with me right now? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna first give an opportunity for anybody in the room who needs to walk through that automatic door of salvation, right into the kingdom of God. Right now in this moment, the door is open. Walk up to it, it'll open, I promise. Maybe you've been through that door before. You know what it looks like. You know how it works. But you need to come back through the door. I'm going to count to three. Just simply lift your hand and then we'll all pray together. One, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Two, when you make this decision, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Three, if that's you, would you raise your hand tonight? The automatic door. Yeah, I see that hand. Anybody else? We'll wait just a second. Amazing, amazing. Let's pray this prayer together, everybody. Dear Jesus, I receive your gift, the free gift of salvation, the automatic door. I step out in faith. I will never be the same after today. I'm exchanging guilt and shame for love and mercy. I will live in your love. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we move on, you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Wait, I said that wrong. Yeah, no, I said that right. Thought I said it backwards. <laughs> Sorry. Not a time to joke. I want to pray for anybody who feels like they're behind the wrong door. Or anybody that feels like they've been knocking on this door and they need a refresh of trust in the power of God. So if that's you, either one, if you've been knocking on a door and you need the strength to keep knocking, or you feel like you're behind the unfair, the wrong door, would you lift your hands towards heaven? We're just gonna pray together. Yeah, a lot of hands all over the room. You can put your hands down. Let's pray pray together, I'm just gonna pray. God, thank you for each person that you see every single story. Thank you that your word is alive speaking to us, that it preaches itself. God, that you're with us doing miracles, ministering to to our hearts when we need the strength to just keep knocking on that door, when we need the strength to just trust you and stir up our faith, God, you're doing it. I believe that you're bringing peace. You're bringing strength. You're bringing comfort right now to every heart. And God, I pray even now that you would do a miracle in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe that. We believe in in this passage of scripture that shows that you can do anything with anyone at any time that you want. God, we choose to trust you. Would you encourage every heart, every hand lifted right now? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.